Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. God is the joy and the strength of my life. in the dark world. When you understand that God is your provider, when you understand that God is the person that is going to make a way, when you understand you didn't get to this point in your life by yourself, when you understand that God is everything, you can't keep it to yourself. You can't keep it to yourself, folks. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, praise team, for singing us into the presence of the Almighty. I want to take a moment to thank those of you that I had praying for our friend, Linda and I's friend, uh, Barbara Newman. Uh, some of you know that she had a blocked carded artery up to 90% blocked this week. But I talked to Barbara on Monday, or Sunday, excuse me. I talked to her on Sunday, the day before the surgery, and I told her that I said, I got, I'm praying and I got everybody that I know praying. And she said, thank you and keep praying. And then they decided to move the surgery up. And she said, just keep praying. And we kept praying. And so the surgery got moved up. But watch this, watch this. On Wednesday, Barbara was at home. <laughs> On Wednesday, Barbara was at home. And I talked to her. On Friday afternoon, and I said, uh, praise the Lord. She said, yes, praise the Lord. I said, I got the people praying. She said, I am very thankful for your prayers. But you tell them this. You tell them to just keep praying. Uh, you tell them that I need all the prayers that I can get. So on behalf of the family, thank you, but keep praying. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, and uh, let me go ahead and thank my wonderful wife, Linda. Uh, she, yes, she needs a hand for you. She is always in support of me. And it's been a particularly challenging week for her as she did not react well to her second Moderna shot this week. And so she has been challenged on every front. But again, we kept praying. And see, when you keep praying, the Lord will answer your prayers. And so she is present and in the house on today. So we are thankful for that. And I know some of you might wonder why every time I get up, I thank my wife. <laughs> of course, every time I thank my wife, it's because uh, the Lord has given me a great helpmate. And I am not able to do the things that I do without her. Amen, amen, amen. But also, if I was honest, uh, Sister Alice Green had a talk with me early on after I became a licensed minister. And she said, now, Marlon, every time you get up, you better thank your wife or we are going to have a discussion about that. So, Sister Alice, we love you. We thank you for keeping me straight. And we are yet praying for you. Amen, amen, amen. And then finally, I want to take a moment to thank the pastor. Now, I don't know where y'all been and where have you gone, but I'm going to say this. There is no pastor like our pastor over here at Pleasant Grove Church. She is always praying for us. Let me say that again. She is always, always praying for us. And if you come up missing and she hadn't seen you in a while or heard from you, she's going to come and see where you are. 
She is the kind of pastor that will leave the 99 and go looking for the one. So we are thankful to God for her leadership and her presence in this season of Pleasant Grove Church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father God, we come in this moment to preach your word. We come in this moment uh, to do what you would have us do. So in this moment, remind your servant that it is not about him. Remind your servant that it is all about you, that you should be glorified in this moment. So hide me behind the cross so that the people see you and not me. Remind my nerves that they are not in charge over here. Remind my brain that I don't answer to the people, but I answer to you. So guide my heart and my mind and my mouth in this moment to lift you up. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. For those of you that don't know, uh, it may be your first time joining us online and streaming today. We have been studying the book of John uh, since November of last year, and we are making our way through John. And last week, Pastor Preston preached about having a circumcised heart. I highly recommend that sermon if you didn't hear it last week. In fact, if you got some time on your hands, I highly recommend that you go back to our website and you can start at John 1 and 1 and pick up this entire series because we have been preaching about the book of John. But let me get to my assignment today before the people complain. My assignment today is John 8, starting at verse 21, and we heard it read, but if you go quickly to verse 27, I think you can figure out where today's sermon title is coming from. It said in verse 27 of John 8, it says, they did not understand he was telling them about the Father. Now, Deacon Gino, if I am honest, the saints and the scholars here will say, well, you got that one verse there. Where's the context to that one verse? Since I don't want any emails, any blasts, let me give you that context to that one verse. If we look back for just a moment around John chapter 7, verse 25, it says the people are asking and I'm paraphrasing, is this not the man the Pharisees are trying to kill? And the people say, we know him, so he cannot possibly be the Messiah. But Jesus responded in verse number 28. It says, then Jesus, still, sit, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me. You do not know him, verse 29, but I know him because I am from him and he sent me. Verse 30, it says, at this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour 
had not yet come. Still, verse 31, many in the crowd believed him. They said, when the Messiah comes, he, will he perform more signs than this man? Not only did some not understand who Jesus was, they didn't understand who God was. They wanted to seize Jesus when they didn't like what he heard, what they heard. Here's a question for you. How do we typically respond when people say things we don't like? Ouch. I don't know about you, but that's stepping on my toes. Sometimes, but I know this is not the saints over here at Pleasant Grove Church, but sometimes we give them choice words that are not appropriate in God's house. But I know that's not you. Sometimes we shut them down and try to shut them up. And then at other times, we simply walk away. So my point here is as we look at the context, there is Jesus trying to explain to the people, to the Pharisees, to the leaders who God is but they don't get it. If we look over at verse 33 in chapter 7, it says, Jesus said, I am with you only a short time, and then I am going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am going, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, what does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me? Where I am going, you cannot come. And again, they were confused because they did not understand that he was talking about the Father. And then we go a little bit further into John, we realized that this is the Feast of Tabernacles. And again, they wanted to seize him, but they could not. Verse 45, finally the temple guards came back when the chief priests and the Pharisees, to, back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked him, why didn't you bring him in? It's like they got a warrant out for his arrest. Why didn't you bring him in? Verse 46, no one ever spoke the way this man spoke. The guards replied. Verse 47, you mean he has deceived you also? The Pharisees retorted. Verse 48, have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, catch that, this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Notice the chief priest called the people a mob and that there was a curse on them. In other words, the people are beneath them and ignorant. So they would be essentially damned because they were not a part of the elite group. That's none of us over here, I know, at Pleasant Grove Church. I know I'm with the saints. 
none of us would be a part of an elitist group. We'll keep praying on that. The Pharisees were the people, watch this, that were supposed to know the law and know God. But Jesus is trying the best he can to teach them that they were a long way away from God. Jesus tries to tell them again in verse 12 of chapter 8. He is the light of the world, but the Pharisees are not having any of that. Here's their response in verse number 13. You cannot be your own witness, so your testimony cannot be true. Watch this. You know Jesus got a response. In verse number 14, and I'm paraphrasing, it says, my testimony is true because I have come from the Father, but you do not have any idea of where I came from or where I'm going. You are judging me by human standards, but I am not judging anyone. But if I did judge, that would be true also. I am not here alone. The Father is with me. Because the Pharisees did not know God, they responded in verse 19 of chapter 8. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus said. If you knew me, you would know my father. And again, he's telling the Pharisees they don't have a clue who the father is. And if we're honest, folks, sometimes we act like that. The Pharisees, the chief priests, these were supposed to be the leaders and the people representing God. But I don't want to digress. If we go to today's text, Jesus on another day reminds them because they keep asking the same question. In verse 25, they say, who are you? They ask, just what I've been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. Verse 27, they did not understand that he was talking to them about the Father. Now, some of you might want to give the Pharisees a break. Some of you might say, well, they didn't understand. They didn't understand this radical new teaching. They just didn't get it. Maybe they were trying to protect the faith. I'm not one of them. The Pharisees were supposed to know the law. They were supposed to know the teachings of God. But no matter how many times Jesus quoted scripture, used scripture, he is scripture. The Pharisees did not respond to it. Point number one for today. You might not understand the father if you don't respond to the word. Since I'm in here with the saints, let's test that out. Let's go to Matthew 
chapter 7, verse number 1. And I'm sorry, I should have prepped you if you don't have your pencil, your Bible, your phone or something ready. I'm going to take you on a journey. So if we go over to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Watch this. This is the scripture you know. It says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of, of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Mm. I'm with the saints here. That's not us. Watch this. Let's go on a journey. Take a moment and close your eyes. I want you to imagine this. You at home, close your eyes too. I want you to imagine this. Imagine that it is pre-pandemic. And pastor has sent you a text on Saturday night and asked you to pick up a new family interested in coming to our church on Sunday morning. But the family's car broke down and they are having trouble securing a ride. Everyone else she has texted is unavailable to pick them up. You reluctantly agree because it's pastor asking. Pastor texts you the address and you realize it is 15 minutes in the opposite direction that you normally go. Go ahead and frown. You frown. The next morning you put the address in your phone, GPS, and realize you need gas. You stop at a gas station that you've never stopped at before. You decide to get coffee and a snack before picking up the new family. You pay the cashier. You enjoy your coffee and snack as you ride along. You're driving along and you think, I've never been to this neighborhood before. You arrive at the address given by the pastor. You ring the doorbell. You introduce yourself. Everyone gets in the car. You drive toward the church. On your way, you make small talk. You tell the family all the great things you like about Pleasant Grove Church. But the family does not say much. When you arrive at the church, Pastor Preston has Pastor Joseph on standby, ready to take the family and escort them in. Watch this. Pastor gives you and the family a shout out in our prayer circle. I miss our prayer circle. Now, here's the question as you're imagining all this. Question number one, when you picture the cashier, what do they look like? When you picture the family's neighborhood, what did it look like? When you picture the family, what did they look like? You can open your eyes. If we're honest, a lot of us chose to visualize a family that looked like us. We probably stereotyped the cashier. What would you say to pastor later if the family didn't look anything like you 
and what you have prepared in your mind? What if their dress, their language, their makeup was totally different from anything you had experienced before? The reality is, is that we make judgments and judge people all the time. We, in our mind, picture who's supposed to come over here at Pleasant Grove Church. And if they don't fit that demographic, if they don't fit what we think it are, we go the other way. But I'm with the saints. You probably don't have a problem with Matthew chapter 7. Let's go on over to Malachi 3 and 10. Watch this. It says, bring the whole tithe into my storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. How many of us are willing to test the Lord? That's what the word says. It says test him in this. Some of us may do all right for a month, a year, and then we backtrack. But I know that's not the saints over here at Pleasant Grove Church. Let me just say this. I am grateful for your stewardship over the last year and a half. You have made my job and Brother Anthony's job as treasurer a little bit easier for your stewardship. Does that mean we don't have some ways to go, but that does mean we're on the right track. May the Lord bless you for that. But let's go with one last test here as I hurry along. What about Matthew chapter 18? I'm sure none of us have any problems with this one. Chapter 18, verse 21, it says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up, sins against me up to seven times? He said, I got seven. Watch this. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. How many of us struggle to forgive one time? Sometimes, I'm just going to speak for myself, people cross me and I write them all. That's not right. That's not what God has asked us to do. That's judging. You've judged that person irredeemable and not worthy of forgiveness. But of course, I know I'm the only one with that problem. But let's go back to the Pharisees for those people that wanted to Give them a break. The Pharisees were too busy building their own kingdom instead of building God's kingdom because they did not understand the Father. Their hearts were too far from God. What are you building? Jesus did not show up in the way they thought he should show up and act the way they thought he should act. So they became judgmental, dismissive, and murderous. How many of us have become judgmental and dismissive? I pray to God we don't, we're not murderers. How many of us don't really understand the Father? 
Point number two, as I move along. Point number two says, you might not understand the Father if you do not understand service. And this one hit me probably harder than any other. If I'm honest, every time I come over to the church I'm, on Sunday, I'm almost in tears. The water work started on Saturday this time. I thought for a moment, maybe it's contagious. If we got a crying pastor, we got a crying deacon and deacon Don. I said, I guess if you stay over here long enough, you too will cry. I am proud to be in that number. That means my heart is changing. Like a lot of people, I attempted to do some reflecting in the first half of the pandemic. I seemed to get busier and busier as the pandemic went along. I looked around and other people seemed to be getting less busy. I became jealous, disturbed, frustrated by this. I told myself I wanted to have more time to spend with God and meditation. But I just can't seem to work it out. That's what I told myself. Be careful what you tell yourself. I began to think that I'm too busy. Being too busy was the problem. I had too many responsibilities. I needed to reduce my commitment level. I need to take a critical look at my responsibilities at school, at home, and the church. I figured that I needed to eliminate some things in all three areas. I didn't quite think that through, but that's what I was thinking. You combine that with my concern about my impending return to school, to the classroom, Linda's concern about my return to the classroom, I was close to pan panic mode. I started to think maybe I should move up retirement. Just maybe my priorities are all wrong on every level. Why am I overwhelmed when it appears that the people around me are not so stressed out. Maybe even some of them appear to be having a good time. These were the lies that I kept telling myself. I had forgotten what service meant. Service means the act of helping or doing work for others. Keyword there, others. I went over to First Peter chapter 4 verse 9, to see what the Lord had to say about service. Verse number 9, offer hospitality without grumbling. That was me, grumbling, but that's just me. Each of you should, do, should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others, there's that others word again, as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, verse number 11, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that all things may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Here's what I took from those verses. 
Maybe it'll help you as it helped me. God is saying that I gave you the gifts. You're supposed to glorify me with them. When you serve other people, you show your love for me. Service is hard. It's not easy. Christ gave his life in service. What are you willing to do? In other words, get over yourself, stop judging by man's standard, and judge by God's standard. God said, I will not let you know, I will let you know when it's time to retire. So quit focusing on that. As for the church, I'll be honest with you, it became crystal clear after I watched the PBS documentary on the black church. If you have not seen it, I strongly recommend you Google it and watch it. There was probably no more important organization in helping African-Americans secure more rights than the black church. We need to treasure the church. It finally hit me that I understood in this moment why Pastor Preston brings up her childhood church of True Light Missionary Baptist Church. She does not get to this point in her life without the blessings that she received from being a part of True Light Missionary Baptist Church in Pritchard, Alabama. As I reflected, I don't get to this point in my life without triumphant Baptist Church. I was in tears at various times throughout the documentary because if it had not been for the teachings that I received at Triumphant, where would I be in this moment? They taught us everything from what the Bible said to public speaking to black history. They taught us to value ourselves despite what the world told us. Now the Lord said to me, what will you do? See what the church has done for you? What will be your service? Then he took me over to Luke chapter, seven, uh, chapter 12, verse 48. He said, but the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. But for everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. For the one who has been entrusted with much, much, much more will be asked. Do I really know the Father? Point number three as I get ready to go to my seat. Point number three, you might not understand the Father if you don't understand love. If we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we know this scripture, we love this scripture, we say these scriptures at weddings. Starting at verse number four, it says love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking. 
It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Maybe you got through all those ones at the beginning. But that last one, I don't know about you, kind of tripped me up when it says keep no records <laughs> of wrongs. But I'm going to try to stay focused on my assignment. Verse number six. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. And verse number seven, and I want you to hold on to this for the rest of the sermon. Verse number seven, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Let me give you some things that have happened in recent days. Recently, a Japanese-American Olympic athlete, Sakura Kukume, was accosted while training in the public park recently, and bystanders just watched. Where are the people of God? Do you really understand the Father? I'll give you another one. In March, a 65-year-old Filipino immigrant female was attacked in Times Square. The assailant kicked her in the stomach and then in the head. When she finally struggled to get up after the attack, the security guard in the nearby luxury apartments who was watching closed the door. Where are the people of God? Also in March, a man named Robert Aaron Long killed eight Asian-American women in Atlanta. The sheriff's spokesman said that Mr. Long had had a very bad day in the news conference. Again, I ask you, where are the people of God? On Thursday of this week, a man killed eight people in a FedEx facility near Indianapolis. According to CNN, this was the 45th mass shooting since March 16th of this year. I think the number is running somewhere around 147 for the entire year. Even though it was not communicated, the number for 2020 is somewhere around 600. So again, I ask, where are the people of God? Where are the people of God? First Corinthians says, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I'll give you one more. According to the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, there were 11,208 acts of extremism or anti-Semitism in 2019 and 2020. Again, I ask, where are the people of God? Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Give you my last testimony and then I'm going to take my seat. Last week, on my way into school, I could not remember what I was listening to in the car that morning. But the Derek Chauvin trial came up. To be honest with you, I had been avoiding the coverage of this trial because I can't take it 
at the moment. However, whoever I was listening to on the radio said something about the possibility of him being found not guilty. So I got out of the car and I began to walk in the building and my colleague and my friend and my co-advisor to my mentoring group happened to be walking in with me. I said, listen, we're going to need to have something prepared to say to our young men because I don't have any confidence that Mr. Sherwin will be found guilty. I said the history in this country does not make that a very high probability. She said, okay, what are you going to say? Or what are we going to say, she said. I responded, I did not know. But if I was honest, really what I wanted to say is the reverend doesn't have any words hmm. left. I've given all the words I have to give. Who ever heard of the reverend not having any words left? I'd given everything. I was speechless. But as I reflected, the Lord convicted me. He said, who ever heard of a minister of the gospel being tapped out? There's always a word from the Lord. The truth of the matter is I had not taken a moment to see what the Lord wanted to say because love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. First John 4 and 20 says, whoever came to love God yet hates his brother is, or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and their sister whom they have seen cannot love God. Jesus said in chapter 13 of John, starting at verse number two, I, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. You must also love one another. So if God is love, and you must love like Jesus loved, then you must always protect, you must always hope, you must always trust, and you must always persevere. So I ask the question again, do you really understand the Father? And as I take my seat, the Lord took me to Exodus chapter 3 in his talk with Moses. It says, I have indeed, at verse number 7, I have indeed seen the misery of my people. I have heard them cry because of their oppression. I'm paraphrasing. I have come down to rescue them from the hands of their oppressors. So don't lose hope. Don't be tapped out. Hang on in there a little while longer. Because when the Lord comes down, mountains move. When the Lord comes down, Pharaoh's bend their knee. When the Lord comes down, seas begin to part. 
When the Lord comes down, pandemics disappear. When the Lord comes down, presidents bow to his will and his way. When the Lord comes down, congressmen and senators begin to move legislation that will protect people. When the Lord comes down, attacks on Asian Americans, Jewish Americans, and African Americans will cease. When the Lord comes down to see about his people, police departments will stop killing unarmed black men and women. When the Lord comes down, he will fulfill all of his promises. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, So I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. I'll leave you with this last little bit. Hebrews. This is what the Lord gave me. Chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, or our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning it, its shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. In the old days, before the pandemic, we had what we call altar prayer. I miss altar prayer. I need to leave some things at the altar. I need to hand some stuff over to the Lord. So if you're at home and you need to leave some things at the altar, now is your time. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, your word says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. In this moment, Lord, we're going to put our hope and our trust in you. In this moment, we're going to claim that you're going to come down like you did with Moses. That you're going to see about your people. That you heard our cries. I am convinced that that time is sooner rather than later. Father God, we, first of all, thank you. We thank you because we don't get to this moment, this time, and this place without your divine providence. Thank you. But if I'm honest in this moment, Father, the road is tough. Every day there is a mass shooting, or what seems like every day. Every day it appears that 
a person of color is gunned down by the police. Every day that that trial goes on, we wait for the other gauntlet to drop. But in this moment, I'm going to turn it over to you. You will fix it. I am confident that if I put all my trust and all my hope in you, that you will see us through. So even though the days may be tough, the days may be rough, you are going to walk us through it. You're going to carry us through it. So Father God, thank you for that. Remind us every day that we go forward that you are standing with us. Remind us that this did not catch you by surprise. Remind us that you too will hold people accountable. So Father God, I leave that with you. But here's my last request. Whatever part I can play in your divine plan, use me in this moment. Lord, send me, I will go. Because I am on your team. Father God, stop by in this moment to every household that is listening, every household that is represented. Provide some peace in this moment. Provide some joy in this moment. Provide some financial assistance in this moment. Provide some food in this moment. Remind the people that you still sit on the throne. For everyone that has lost a loved one in this pandemic, Father, stop by and comfort them in this moment. For everyone that is suffering on a bed of sickness, a healing touch from you will make it all right. Father God, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I turn it back over to the praise team.
us at 919-363-5198 or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.